And so basically what you're trying to do is, all right, who, do I, who are my best five? And who do I want to be on the floor and be freshest at the end of the game? So instead of saying, hey, these are our starters and this is when Marnie's coming out, and what, what happens if you do that is you end up chasing a game early. So point being is you try to get guys rest and the combinations to get you where you want to be. And this is the combination that hopefully offensively and defensively will put us in position to win. That was Micah Nori. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus, presented by Aura. McGraw playing for Towns, and one for Cat with an exclamation point. Russell shows off the handle and the shot. Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards. Wow, we got his feelings hurt on this one. Shazo Kogi, may the force be with you. Coast to coast for Obi-Wan Okogi. First season with the Timberwolves, but you have been in the NBA for quite a while. Late 90s was your start, right, with Toronto as a scout. Mm -hmm. And then you would end up spending a lot of time with Toronto and kind of moving up the ranks. But life of a scout in the NBA is not really a glamorous life. What was it like for you? Um, I tell you, it was a crash course in learning the NBA, number one. So it was it was tough, and you're, it's not glamorous, but there's no – I tell people, especially guys that are just starting, there's no better way to learn the league because it was night after night going to watch games, and there's a couple different types of scouts. Obviously, there's personnel that are going to watch the actual talent, for whether it be trades or free agency. What I was doing was more on the coaching side, whereas the advanced scouting. So I'm trying to get calls and what are teams running and how they're doing their actions. So – that being said, starting in the late 90s, and you know, you're in the best league in the world, learning and watching some of the best coaches in the world. So it was a crash course in NBA basketball for sure that really helped my growth as far as the game goes. And your background is that you grew up in Middletown, Ohio, 35 miles north of Cincinnati, home of uh, Brooklyn Decker, mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt from the TV show, and former Vikings wide receiver Chris Carter. But you knew the Carter family, right? Yeah. Uh, long story short, well, long story long, I guess. Uh, Butch Carter, who is Chris's older brother, mm-hmm. oldest of seven of the Carter children, came down to Troy, to, from Troy to Middletown, Ohio, was at Middletown High School. My father was a coach and a teacher. And the friendship and mentorship, if you will, grew and grew. And um, the Carter family has been like a second part of our family as well. And that's how I got into the NBA was through Butch. He was the interim head coach with the Toronto Raptors. I went up, lived with him for a couple of years, and it's just I've had some amazing opportunities and breaks go my way. But, yes, all because of the Carter family for sure. So everything is somehow connected. There you go. Did you ever have a Vikings 80 jersey? I did. Um, Did you really? Yes, because uh, we just basically follow, even though we were Cincinnati close and Bengals fans, the Bengals weren't as good at that time. So we kind of followed wherever Chris went. So we were Vikings fan early on when all he did was catch touchdowns. And then he's coming up here setting um, single season career catch records or whatnot with the, but uh, absolutely. So we always followed near from afar, but uh, yeah, we did. That was one jersey that we did have. Awesome. A lot of people, I don't think, realize if they haven't done their research on you that your early background while you were you were a multi-sport athlete but in college you were a baseball player not a basketball player you were a baseball player yep yeah went to indiana played for the hoosiers i did i did um Back in the day when specialization that I'm learning now being a father has is, is, is become the norm with all these young kids and athletes. Everybody's playing one sport back in the day, like I'm sure you were the same way. We played multiple yeah. sports, oh, yeah. so it was 
football season, you played football, basketball, basketball, baseball, baseball, and then high school played all three, but I was a better baseball player than basketball player, so that took me that course, and then when I got back out, I was sitting on my couch, and of all people, Butch was there that summer and asked me what I was going to do. I said, I don't know. He said, you want to come up and live with me and intern in the NBA and work in the NBA? And I said, Butch, I've been hitting baseballs for the last four years, and he's, you know, it's dealing with people. It's, uh, it's, he can teach, like, I can teach you the X's and O's, but it all comes down to work ethic, you know, how you relate with people, this type of thing. So I uh, thought I'd go up there for a year maybe and was spent 15 years in Toronto. Mm. So. Well, let's not gloss over your baseball career, though, especially your senior season, because you were a captain, mm-hmm. the 96 team. The Hoosiers won the Big Ten tournament that mm-hmm. year. You were a middle infielder, so mm-hmm. shortstop, second base, and your batting average your senior season, 365. Yeah. 12 home runs, 59 RBI. Did yeah. you ever have a sniff of life in baseball after college, like lower league, minor level maybe? Um, I did. I had a unfortunate, uh, my freshman year, this is, you know, glory days playing in the background here, but I was a uh, freshman shortstop at Indiana. We were playing right over here at Siebert Field oh, yeah. in uh, last Big Ten weekend, and I was going to turn a double play and they had a big catcher named Gunderson, who was a heck of a baseball player, decided not to slide and hit my shoulder. My shoulder, I had to get shoulder surgery. So then that's when I moved to second base because I really couldn't play any other position. So there wasn't much need for a slow-footed second baseman <laughs> at the next level. So <laughs> I, uh, I learned very quickly that, you know, I could maybe squander around in A ball and rookie ball for a little bit of a time. But, uh, you know, at some point it's, hey, let's figure out what we can do. Okay. So that all comes back to... Gophers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're tied back to your baseball career being derailed by the Gophers. Pretty much. Okay. Sorry. I, I, ha- I Sorry haven't got it back in me yet to go back over to Seabirt, the scene of the crime. <laughs> yeah, been there. Yeah. So I've been to the, We played in the, in the Metrodome, thank goodness, later in my career. But uh, Seabirt, I have some bad memories of. <laughs> so, and at a time, you dabbled as a hitting coach, too, right? I did. In college? Yep, I did. I, uh, grad school. So when I got out of uh, at Indiana, I went to grad school at Miami of Ohio. And that was my first, um, I guess, jump into coaching. And um, my brother, of all people, was a, uh, was a freshman on that team. So I actually coached my brother and did my uh, grad school at Miami of Ohio. And, um, and it, was a, uh, it was a good time, and I enjoyed it. But um, I'm not going to lie, the NBA is much more fun <laughs> than coaching college baseball. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have baseball in your family, though, too. Your dad was a single-A player in the Mets Mm -hmm. organization. So there's some history and some talent in the Nori family. Absolutely. And it's uh, to the point where it's then trickled down to my son, who when, uh, you know, at the end of the day, basketball, I was like, oh, does he play basketball? I said, no, you know, he's probably more suited for baseball. He's probably going to be about (laughs) 5'11". And so every time he'd pick up a basketball, we just happened to block every shot he ever took, whether it was a Nerf hoop or whatnot, and tell him to go get his baseball bat, you know? So he didn't have much choice. But uh, at the end of the day, it has trickled down. My dad was a, he was a coach. And, and again, going back to being multi-sport, he coached back in the day, baseball, basketball, and football, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, brought us up through athletics. And then, um, again, my brother was fortunate to play baseball at Miami of Ohio. And then my son now, he enjoys it and then uh, plays at pretty high level. So it's been fun. Your name, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, pretty unique. Is there any story behind your name or how you got your name? Well, the story would be that, and this goes back to baseball, I was actually born April 8th, 1974, which is the exact day that Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record. My dad wanted to name me Hank. My mom won out 
and named me Micah because she just liked the biblical name. So I blamed my mom because I said, I'm telling you right now, if I was named Hank, I'd still be playing baseball because <laughs> who are you more afraid of coming to the plate? Hank Nori or Micah Nori? You know, so at the end of the day, we kid and all that and joke. But um, just in all honesty, the name just came. My mom just uh, just liked the name and uh, and kind of stuck. And now as I've gotten older, it's um, it's, it's I see it more often. You just said Nori. Mm-hmm. We've been saying Nori. Well, Nori is correct. The cr- actually, but honestly, it's so childish and all that. But when people like, whether it was in school or I'm calling for reservations, and people are like, "What's your name?" It's just so much easier to say Nori because they can't they mess can up the spelling in yeah. Nori. But Nori is the 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 correct pronunciation. Okay, so we're saying it right. You are saying you correct. just I'm said saying your own wrong. name I'm wrong. I'm saying it wrong. Got it. Okay. There you go. So absolutely. <laughs> and then just from saying it so much and all that, but uh, absolutely, Nori, Nori is the correct pronunciation. Okay. Okay. Um, your family is your wife, Melissa, and then mm-hmm. you have two kids, I think eighth grade and 10th grade. Yep. Right. A boy and a girl. Yes. What do you like about being a dad? Oh, I love it. I think, um, I think the good thing is when Melissa and I, you know, when we first got married, we started talking about having a family. I come from, there's total four of us thinking big family, a lot of kids. And then with this job and the traveling, once we had, uh, we had the first, which was a son, and then a daughter. We said, you know what? We're perfect. We can still play man-to-man, right? So it's uh, <laughs> two-on-two. Two-on-two. And, um, and my wife, God bless her, you know, it's a lot of times in this, you know, it's like a, uh, you're like a single mother because as much as we travel and all that. But I enjoy it, and I just I love all the phases of it. Um, I love, you know, when they're little and seeing their little their personalities coming out and being more of a disciplinarian father figure, this type of stuff. But now it's almost like we're still that – where they're getting older, where you can have that relationship where it's not just discipline this, it's almost, and not necessarily that friendship, but you just see them growing into young adults. Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoy that. And when they were little, um, you know, win or lose, it didn't matter when you would go home when they're two, three, four years old and you see them and they don't care what the score of any game was. They just, hey, it's dad and he's home. And, you know, and so that helped you put it aside, basically. Let's shift a little bit to the basketball side and <clears throat> your, your role here, mm-hmm. because when Chris Finch, hired you he had called you an excellent in-game manager said with situations lineup combinations end of game using analytics on the fly all of that how did you get to the point where you can help manage a stressful sometimes chaotic situation like the last two minutes of an NBA game how are you the calm in all of that that's a good question I think a lot of it is by the fact that and you mentioned it playing baseball in college or not having played NBA basketball a lot of times with with basketball players, like I haven't, ne- I've never shot a jump shot in Division One basketball. I've never shot a jump shot in an NBA game. Point being is, I'm not the one to tell them, hey, you need to be doing this. But what I can do through my experiences, all this is watch. Going back to those days when I was on the road scouting, all those close games and all this, what has worked, what mm-hmm. hasn't worked. When you're watching huddles, how do you, how do coaches, uh, how do coaches act and all that type of thing? And I think just your personality, and my personality is one that I've never really gotten too high or too low, which I think helps. And I think the one thing that I try to do is, even as an assistant coach, is no matter what happens in the game, have that persona or that look like that's exactly what you thought was going to happen, as opposed to like the, oh, and this and that. And a lot of that goes back to times with Butch Carter. And he was saying, as an assistant coach, you cannot live on emotion and seeing guys like, oh, what the, this and that. But, and then doing your due diligence and studying guys like, hey, this is what they like to do. This is and putting guys in a position where they can be successful. And when that happens, that's where you build trust with guys and that type of thing where they're saying, hey, what he's telling us is going to help me be in position to a win a game or that type of thing, as opposed to just 
going off this cusp and I think when you're not prepared is when you yeah. seem like you're in disarray. It's so, preparation. I was there just going to say that's preparation you're, experience. You're absolutely right, Martin. Um, you had said something else that I thought was really fascinating as a coach that you like to coach the game backwards. Like you like to think about where do I want to be with two minutes to go? Start there, work your way back and decide the steps to take to get there. That's kind of a fascinating way to look at that. How did you develop that perspective? It goes back, and, and, I, and, I, and I will reference this gentleman a lot, but Butch Carter said that all along, this type of thing. Like, And, and he was the first one that ever told me, and, and I asked the same question you did. I Explain that to me. And so basically what you're trying to do is, all right, who, do I, who are my best five? And who do I want to be on the floor and be freshest at the end of the game? So instead of saying, hey, these are our starters, and this is when Marnie's coming out, and what, what happens if you do that is you end up chasing a game early. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. as well is, okay, it's a four-point game. Well, let's leave Cat in beyond what he should be. Like, let's say he goes the first 16 minutes or something. Like you start extending guys and you start chasing the game when now when you need him in that fourth quarter, mm -hmm. oh, wait, you know what, he's already at 38 minutes and there's seven minutes to go so point being is you try to get guys rest and the combinations to get you where you want to be and then those last three minutes that goes back to that end of the game stuff where let's help put these guys in position and Finchie's great at it and you saw last night even with the timeouts and the shots that we were getting that he was getting for guys is that okay here's what they're doing to us here's who we want on the floor when this happens and this is the combination that hopefully offensively and defensively will put us in position mm -hmm. to win. Interesting. I, yeah. It makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. I just never really heard it framed that yeah. way. I thought that was really unique. Um, you've also said that as a coach, honesty is huge. you got to be honest with the players. Don't try to trick them. And be a little self-deprecating. You said you have to laugh at yourself. You can have all the X's and O's you want, but if guys don't play hard, if they don't trust you, then you have nothing and it really doesn't matter. So why have you found honesty to be so important when it comes to dealing with NBA players? I think the one thing is as young as these guys are in this league now and as and it's changed a little bit from when I first got in so you're seeing guys like even Ant I mean for example 20 years old I mean Leandro very young Killian Hayes who we had last year in Detroit I'm getting old he's 19 years old got a tattoo established 2001 I'm like holy crap so but at the end of the day I think a lot of these guys when they're growing up and I'm not saying all of them but they, everybody wants to be a part of them and everybody wants to have some sort of say hey I knew him or this guy they see them more as a means to an end and I think that a lot of people tell them what they want to hear and I think they they learn at a very young age if people have a um, I guess a want alternative means to them and I know this is a little long but at the end of the day by telling them the truth Okay, sometimes it may hurt, sometimes it may this, but then at least they know you're not just telling them what they want to hear, mm -hmm. you're telling them what they need to hear, and hopefully you're preparing them for what, you know, what's going to happen. It's a very tough league, and it's a very tough environment. And so I think honesty at the end of the day, and like my mom always said, if, if you're going to be a liar, if you're going to lie, you better have a good memory, and I don't have a very good memory when it comes to certain things. So it's like, hey, look, here's the facts. You know what I mean? And we can go one or two ways. You can either keep doing what you're doing and not be around very long or continue to fail, mm -hmm. Or we can try to make an adjustment, try to help you and, and get yourself better so that uh, not, only not only do you help us win, but you also prolong your career. You, when you, for you to have that perspective and to put that thought into it, A tells me you've been doing this for a while, but also that you're kind of an introspective person. You spend time thinking about this. It doesn't just happen. Like You've actually made a conscious effort to 
to act like this, to be this way, to understand this is what players need? Like how much thought and processing goes into what you do? I think quite a bit. And um, it's funny. Again, like my, a lot of stuff they say you learn in kindergarten. My mom was a kindergarten teacher and taught me like and my dad and the same things like nobody really cares about you. And what I mean by that is a lot of times. So what I learned at a young age was people would ask me questions. I turn around and ask them about themselves and you find out people love to talk about themselves, which mm -hmm. is great. I love to hear about them. And even with players, the more you get them talking, you find out everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they care about. Someone, whether it's an aunt, a grandma, a mom, a dad or whatever whether it be pets or anything, but, and you try to connect with them in a certain way, and that's kind of like your opening. I think by that way, you don't just continue to be like, hey, Marnie, I'm here right now. We're going to be best friends. You know, it's kind of like you, you let them, you, you, you pick and choose your moments, then they open up, they, mm -hmm. they come to you, you know about them, let them know you care about them, then they'll be more apt to care about what you have to say. Sure. And that's just not in the NBA. That's life. And that goes back to what we that. were saying. Yeah, yeah. it's like it, it's it's dealing with people. It really is, yeah. regardless of what you're doing. I've just found that, and there's always something that motivates somebody. There's always a a subject that you, you leave alone. But and there's and, and there's guys that you got to kick in the butt. There's guys you got to pat on the back. There's guys you can show film in front of the, the team. There's guys that no, let's do individual film. But you have to find out what works for each individual person. Okay. You uh, are the halftime coach for the month of November yes. on our uh, games that we televise. Uh, every assistant gets a month and, and uh, gets a couple of questions at halftime. Your halftime interviews have become uh, legendary <laughs> already. You have used words uh, like Mercedes, SpongeBob, Weeds and Seeds, Cookie Monster. <laughs> it's almost as if someone is feeding you these words what is going on so cat out of the bag when I was in Denver we used to do the halftime interviews and my son's uh travel baseball team had a one of their coaches was in tv and radio and it kind of became a thing doing these like I bet you can't say boom shakalaka I bet you can't say this or that I had to meow one time was a bit <laughs> no. uh, yeah so and and so in the halftime interviews which I think they're great and at the end of the day it's sitting there things to me it's like you know I always picture it that no one's watching anyways but my mom I know they are but like anyway so I don't mean to make light of them but it's been fun to try to incorporate the word mm -hmm. and there may or may not be a gentleman that is on staff here that now feeds me a word and you know I guess I can't take the credit. He's the genius behind the words, and I try to fit them in. The amazing thing is that whoever this nameless person is that feeds you the word, you're able to use the word and execute it, but also give a really meaningful, well-thought, halftime speech. Like, you, you actually have insight in what you're saying, and somehow you use the word... SpongeBob and it works. It makes sense. It actually flows with what you're saying. I don't know how you do it. It's kind of genius. No, I appreciate that. Uh, you give me too much credit, but for it. But um, no, I do. And that's again because what I do want to do is, it's, even though it's fun to try to implement the word, I also don't want to make light of the fact that there is a game going on. There's very serious mm -hmm. stuff, yeah. and the, the questions are good. And, and there's no disrespect to anyone whether they're asking the questions and all that. Because so I try to include the word. Get you know, all right, haha. But then try to give people an insight into actually yeah. what we are trying to do and the adjustments we're trying to make. And the other thing, going back to honesty, I mean, if our if our defense has holes in it like SpongeBob, it does. It's not <laughs> like you're sitting there saying, oh, we're playing great, just we need to make shots. I mean, yeah. so I think people I, don't want to hear that. They like to hear the truth. 
And um, so I try to give them a little bit of insight as to what we're doing. And the other thing great about halftime is there's the opponent team's not watching that. So you can say whatever you right. want. It's not yeah. like they're taking it. So I find where just tell the truth. Yeah, honesty, because you already talked about that. There you go. Not taking yourself too seriously. You there already you talked go. about that. It's, <laughs> you, you put it all together. It's awesome. <laughs> because you are new to the Timberwolves, and we wanted to learn a little bit more about you, the way you coach, a little bit more about your personality. That's why we're doing this show. But we needed a, a little help as well. So we asked your wife for, why do you make that face? Because this could go one of two ways. It could be either nice Melissa or Melissa, maybe she was angry that day. Well, you're about to find out. <laughs> we just asked for some quirks. We're not trying to, to make fun of you or embarrass you in any way, but we okay. want to know more about Micah. And we thought, who better to tell us about the real Micah than your wife, Melissa? It's a good source. <clears throat> yeah, so I've got four things for you from Melissa. Four, I got four quirks? I narrowed it down to four. Good Lord. So comments and, and just confirmation is what we're looking for here. Okay. Uh, Melissa first says, Micah is a morning person. Yes. He does not set an alarm. He wakes up ready to go. And when he is up, he wakes everyone else up. It's like waking up next to a life coach. Yes. Accurate? Fact. So you That just... comes from my dad, my father, because he would get up in the morning and could not, I don't know if he just couldn't stand to be awake or, you know, we're wasting the day. And to this day, he's in town now, he gets up at the crack of dawn and God forbid he's the only human being up and it's worn off on me. So if you, the two of you are together, the two morning people, he's first and he's waking you up, so he's even out doing you? Well, yeah, because he's 80 years old now, and all 80-year-olds get up, I think, at 4.30 in the morning. Okay. And, the, and bless his heart, he's in town now, and God forbid there's a time change. You know, he's from Ohio. They're an hour ahead, so he's walking around 3.30 in the morning going, what the heck's going on? I'm like, because, I mean, anyway, so I come across that one honestly is what I'm saying. Okay. Morning. Okay. But, okay. yes, she is correct. I am up early. Uh, Melissa also said, the kids will tell you that when I say no to something, they know they can ask dad and he will say yes. Micah is like my third child. That's fact. My <laughs> daughter, 100%, she knows she can come at any time. And now they're smart because of the fact that they're older. My daughter will ask for something. And I'll say, you know, you don't need this or that. And then she'll be like, so how much money did you spend on travel baseball for Dante last summer? And then, okay, go get the daggone shoes. And then my son has learned that, much like we did, if he does all of his workouts and hitting and does his chores they'll ask me i'll say no and then he'll go hit and do his chores and then he'll come back and then the answer is yeah so yeah she's right <laughs> boy do they have you figured out <laughs> see yeah i'm not very <laughs> difficult but yes they do for sure oh well it's it gets better oh goodness um micah never uses coupon codes or looks for sales i don't think he has ever not paid full price for something once I sent him grocery shopping and the total was over double my normal weekly run. He just grabbed whatever item was on the list and never paid attention to what was on sale. Fact. But that's because the one time I did try to go and look for a bargain, I ordered something online and it came from God knows where. It was nowhere near what I had ordered. I thought I had a, a, a steal of a deal and not. So my thing is, okay, who makes it? Let's go get it from them. Right? Why get the knockoff? So if Melissa asks you to pick up, pick up some groceries and you're standing like at the Tostito chips or whatever, you're not looking at the brand next to it that's half off. You're just like, that's my brand. We're not getting well, the toilet paper or the Kleenex that says Kleenex. We're getting brawny or whatever they are. We're not just getting the, the local brand. No. And if the bananas, if it's the organic that's closer to me than the Dole's, whichever one is closer, I don't care. That's what we're going with. 
So you do not do any more grocery shopping, I'm guessing. Which was genius. You see my point, buddy? You see my plan all along? You go and well you done. spend double. Guess who doesn't well have to grocery shop anymore? I got one more for you. All right. Melissa said that because you are on the road and gone a lot, that when you are home, you really like to be home. You're not really big on entertaining. She said, there's a big joke in my family. If I'm hosting something, everyone needs to leave by nine. One time at a family party, <laughs> it got late and Micah just started cleaning up and he actually blew a horn to let everyone <laughs> to let everyone know it was time to leave. Yes, <laughs> that is fact. My thing with that, really? Mar yeah, and there's now a sign in our kitchen that says, welcome to our home, please leave by 9 p.m. <laughs> and and I get crap because everybody's like, oh, you're so, I'm like, I'm the most, what is it, the most unsocial social person. But I love people coming over, but I love them when they leave more. I do. I just, uh, I figure, hey, you know, small doses, I think I'm more fun in small doses, like uh, the old Seinfeld would leave them laughing, I guess, George getting up. But yeah, come on over, but leave in a timely fashion to the point that she did leave out i will say this no more uh birthday parties start at 4 p.m and that's it we now put a end time on birthday parties because oh, okay just so you know everybody knows they gotta go you ain't go. got to go home but, but you gotta just get out of here you can come back but leave <laughs> you can come back at four there you go but absolutely yeah so that one that's true too that's all that's all she gave us oh thank god but I have one more page. Uh-oh. We like to end on five random questions. Again, just a way to, to learn a little bit more about you. So, um, first of all, how do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee. I drink Diet Coke first thing in the morning, which is Ooh. probably horrible, but yes, I do. I've never. I drank coffee one time by accident when I was about five at my grandma's house and haven't had it since. She took it black, so I guess I take it black because that's the only time I ever had a drink of it. So this Diet Coke, is it like... From the can, are we talking two liter glass over ice, straw, no straw? Well, here it's over ice because we got the best ice. The, that uh, training room ice, the little soft, crushy uh, cubes like uh, Chick-fil-A, we've got that here. Otherwise, just cold in a can is fine. Okay. Every morning. Every morning. Which NBA city has the best restaurants? Oh, that's a great question. I am a little bit biased, but I would say, to me, Toronto. And what I liked so much about Toronto and even living there was you have, it's a melting pot. And there is, you know, there's Chinatown, there's Little Italy, there's the, the Greek side the, mm -hmm. on the Danforth. It's wherever you're going, you can find it. So I know that people probably say New York, even in L.A., but I'm going with Toronto. Yeah. Toronto's, I mean, Toronto's got some good eats. Yes, they I've do. been there a few times. There you go. Which emoji do you use the most? The crying, laughing emoji. Not even close. Everything's just hilarious to you. Or, I mean, I don't know what this is rated, but sometimes there's some hand gesture emojis too at, at a time again. But we'll go with the crying we'll go with the crying okay. emoji. <laughs> Other than basketball, what is your favorite sport to watch on TV? Oh, I'm going to say football um, as opposed to most people. Like, I don't think baseball is as much fun to watch on TV because you can't see the whole game, and I think there's a lot more going on. So mm. I think it's a – and okay. now playoffs, absolutely. But I like football because I think in one shot, or one you can see everything that's going on. So I'm going to say football. Okay. College or NFL? Uh, you know what? Um, doesn't really matter. I enjoy watching both. I really do. Okay. Final question. What is currently the strangest thing in your refrigerator? Oh, my Lord. That's a great question. The strangest thing in my refrigerator would probably be <laughs> uh, the bananas that I tried to save when my family was up 
three weeks ago, and they're in there now. So God knows what they're doing. Maybe she can make banana bread out of them. <laughs> and we don't know, are they organic or they're dull? They're whatever the closest Whatever the one. closest one was. Absolutely, gotcha. Marty. Thank gotcha. you. Those See, there you go. Bring it all around. <laughs> well, Micah, you are a highly entertaining individual. Obviously, a very good coach, very good at what you do. But um, I think Timberwolves fans enjoy your personality as much as anything. So it's been really nice getting to know a little bit more of that. Your quirkiness. Well, I appreciate You got a little it, bit of that. I, yes, I appreciate you, Marty. Thank you for having me. Wolves Plus, presented by Aura.